Father in heaven, we invite your spirit now to come and be with us in this place. Lord, uh, you're about surprises sometimes, so surprise us in this service and bring us a word that our hearts need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We want to talk to you today about a couple different stories where Jesus is involved in a storm. The first one I want to talk about, Bernie's going to talk about a different one, one that actually happens a little earlier than the one I'm going to introduce here, and we'll talk more about it after, after he talks about the other story, but it's found in Matthew chapter 14. And we begin reading in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 14. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, this is kind of an unusual little passage here, and you read it out of context, and it it seems a little strange. When did Jesus ever send the disciples on in the boat without him? And when did Jesus ever dismiss a crowd and go off by himself? It's kind of strange. And it's actually helpful if you get the context here, because the story that takes place immediately before this is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. They're all on the hillside, and why were they there in this remote place? Well, the story immediately before that is that Jesus gets the word that John the Baptist has died. And so he attempts to go off to a lonely place to be on his own. But by the time he gets there, the crowd figured out where they were going and got there ahead of him. So now you've got a crowd out in the middle of nowhere with Jesus and the disciples, and they don't have any food. And it's getting too late in the day for them to go and get anything. And Jesus says, you feed them. And the disciples say, how in the world are we going to do that? But they come up with the five loaves and the two fish, and it turns into food for all of them. And it turns into 12 baskets full. And this is an amazing experience for everybody that is there. And they're starting to think in their minds, this guy can really take us where we want to go. I mean, imagine, he can heal the sick, he can feed without having any food, you take your army to the field, you can beat anybody. We're always thinking about what Jesus can do for us, aren't we? (laughs) We've always got in mind how, yeah, this is great, Lord, just keep on doing that. Just be reliable for me on this line, and we're going to win this thing. But Jesus often has another plan. You see, if you read this story in the book of John, you would see a line that says, and they thought to take him by force and make him king. The disciples thought that was a really good idea. That's what they were in this for. He was going to be king. They were going to be a part of that leadership group. I mean, you're the Messiah. Isn't that why you came, to be the king? But Jesus had to come up with a way of breaking them free from what they thought was his route to glory. They thought the route to glory was for him to become an earthly king and lead an army and take over. But no, Jesus' route to glory meant to climb up Mount Calvary to die for our sins. Nobody understood that. And so Jesus came up with a way to reset everybody's expectation. He said to the disciples, it's been fun, now get in the boat and go. And something about the way he said it made them want to do it. And he said to the crowd, 
Okay, everybody's got enough food. Now I want you to head home. And something about the way he said it made them want to do it. Now, I don't guess that meant that they really wanted to do it. They probably went home in a grudging way. You ever been in a boat with 12 people who didn't get their way? (laughs) It's not fun. So you can imagine what was going on in that boat as they were traveling along. And so because they were focused on the wrong thing and they were tearing each other apart probably on it, God decided to send them a real problem to focus on. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. This is Jesus. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Have you ever had an experience like this in your life? I'm pretty sure you know how it's supposed to go. But then Jesus does something strange. And all of a sudden you feel like you're out there all by yourself without Jesus around. And the waves are buffeting you. I wonder if they'd have been better off if they could remember a different story. So I live with four ladies, uh, four beautiful ladies. My wife, Christina, obviously, and our three daughters. And um, occasionally in our home, uh, something will occur. There's a scenario that plays out. Maybe you can relate. Um, So I will be in the home, and everything will seem to be going normal. And then I will hear this, maybe from one of my daughters, Daddy! And they will just yell so loud. Or or maybe it's Christina, and, and I will get this summoning, like an alarm going off, that there's something drastic that is occurring. And then I'll walk towards the situation, and they will say, Daddy, a bug! <laughs> or Christina will say, Bernie, kill it! <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm just kind of going, what? what is the deal, you know? There is such fear in the presence of such a little thing. And uh, I kid you not, my, my oldest daughter, Madison, uh, came home. She, was, she works at T-Flats, and sometimes she's on the clothes shift, which means she doesn't get home till rather late. And we're all at home in bed, Christine and I. And what terrifies a parent more than anything, right? Get a call from your child, middle of the night, and she had, we'd looked at the phone. She'd been calling. We had missed calls, and then we finally woke up, and we got the phone, and it's, it's Madison. And, and sure enough, I answered the phone, and she's like, She's literally outside the front door. Daddy, there's a frog. <laughs> there's a frog. She stopped dead in her tracks. She will not come in the house because there's a little frog preventing her from entering the home. And so I have to get up and dismiss the frog and take care of that, and then she's able to come in. But fear is a powerful, powerful thing. And how we handle that fear and how we respond to that fear and, and it is significant to our lives. Sometimes it's paralyzing in the midst of a storm to have that kind of fear. So the story that, that I want to look at you just briefly, with, look at with you for just a moment, is Luke chapter 8. Jesus has been preaching. Uh, it involves a boat again in the sea and so forth. And so Jesus has been preaching. Then he de- decides that, hey, We're going to take a trip across the lake. I want to get to the other side. And so he gathers his disciples in the boat. What's really 
powerful here is some of the detail that the author includes in the story because it says that Jesus, um, um, Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping on a cushion, right? And sometimes when you go travel, if you, you know, fly in somewhere, you take one of those goofy-looking little pillows you wrap around your neck so you have the plan to rest on the plane. And so Jesus clearly had, an, he had anticipated this trip. We're going to take a trip across the lake. I'm going to catch a few Zs in the back. And sure enough, Jesus is fine. He's resting. And then something happens. And based on the geography of this lake, we know that there are storms that just sort of occur. They can come up out of nowhere, and sure enough, that's what happens. And the, the disciples are there, and they are panicking, and they're afraid, and there's water coming in over the side. All chaos breaks loose, and they are terrified. And they wake Jesus, and they're like, hey, do you want us to die here? You, you, you do something about this? And Jesus gets up and calms the storm, and the winds and the waves stop. And then Jesus does something very interesting. He asks him a question. This is kind of where I want to go. And, and it helps us to understand something about our fear or perhaps a couple of different types of fear. He says this in verse 25. It's chapter 8 of Luke in verse 25. He opens with this question, where is your faith? Where is your faith? In fear and amazement, this is their response, or this is how it, they responded. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And I actually love that response. Because truth of the matter is, whether it's a little frog or some sort of bug that Florida is known for, or whether it's something huge, Perhaps it's something rather ominous. Perhaps it's something extremely dark and serious, you know. They've, they've been showing on the news these comparisons from Irma to other past hurricanes. And you look at Irma, Irma's a big deal. She's massive, right? Packing a lot of power. Regardless of what it is, um, there's a fear that we should have in the midst of impending storms. And it's not so much the fear of what naturally could have happened or the fear of what happens in some of our, our lives and so forth, but there's, a, there's this reverential fear because we know that there is a God who's bigger than any storm. We know that there's a God who, who has more power than any storm that could ever come about in our lives. I, I, love, the, I love the response there. They're like, who is this? And what we respond to, because what fuels our faith more than anything, what fuels the faith of a believer is this enormous reverent fear and respect of an awesome God. He created everything. He has control over everything. I need not fear the thing. I just need to remain in fear and reverent fear and respect of the one who created the thing. Amen. And so... Yeah, there are all kinds of things that will come our way. The type of fear that fuels our faith is a fear at the awesomeness of our God, regardless of how awesome, how awesome the storm may be. So it's a year later, maybe a year and a half. It's hard to know for sure exactly what the timeline is, but that experience has happened and now the disciples are out on the lake again in a boat and once again we've got waves we've got trouble and before we're too hard on them 
How many of you can think back a year or two ago where the Lord delivered you, but now you're in a crisis and somehow the memory of what he did last time isn't helping that much this time? And not only that, it's different this time because last time he was in the boat, okay, he was asleep and all, but at least he was here. Now we're on our own. There was an important lesson that the disciples needed to learn that night because you see, it wasn't going to be too long after this Things weren't going to go the way they expected. They weren't going to go to Jerusalem and take over. They were going to go to Jerusalem and Jesus was going to die. And then he would be resurrected and their hopes would come back and they would think, well, maybe this is the time that it all goes the way we expected. But no, Jesus was going to go up and be with the Father. And they were going to have to learn that they were going to have to face some storms without necessarily being able to see Jesus with their eyes but still believe he was with them in the storm. It doesn't say this in Matthew, but in one of the other places in the Gospels where this story is told, it does say that Jesus saw them out on the water. We continue reading in Matthew 14, (coughs) verse 25. (coughs) Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. You see, they were struggling in the storm, and Jesus saw them and went to them. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. There's the fear again. Now, again, let's not be so hard on them. How many times have you been out on your boat at night and seen someone walking on the water? (laughs) Yeah, me neither. So let's not be so hard on them. What might you think at that point? Because we all know humans can't walk on water, can they? So that's got to be something else. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. You can always count on Peter at a time like this, right? Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Okay, put yourself in the boat. You're one of the other 11. Really? Why is that a good idea? I'm pretty sure I'd have been one of the other 11. (laughs) But let's give Peter a little credit here. He is at least willing to take a couple steps into the storm. How many of the rest of us wouldn't even get out of a sinking boat? (laughs) This is a little bit like skydiving. Why do people do that? (laughs) Why would you jump out of an airplane that wasn't on fire? That's what I can't understand. (laughs) But here's Peter stepping out of the boat onto the water. Come, Jesus said, and Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. So here's here's where Peter gets credit. 
He steps out of the boat by faith and walks towards Jesus. Here's where it goes bad. He quits thinking about Jesus and starts thinking about the storm. Has that ever happened to you in your life? A crisis comes, you're looking at it, you're really brave. Okay, Lord, I'm going to walk through this crisis by faith. And we take two steps in and it's worse than we thought. And immediately we start looking at the crisis and start looking at what we don't have and start thinking, how in the world am I going to survive this? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. All right, I want you to learn that phrase because if you're not in a crisis right now, you will be at some point, (coughs) maybe even in the next 48 hours, who knows. And when you find yourself out there and the storm's too much, this is your line. Lord, save me. I want you to say it with me so I know you know it. You ready? Lord, save me. One more time. Lord, save me. Because you know what happens when you say that line? Chapter 31, verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, In this particular version of the story of Lord save me, he reaches out his hand and that means that Peter comes back on the water and they're able to get back in the boat. But that's not how Lord save me works every time, does it? The one part that's true every time is Jesus does reach out his hand and take hold of your hand. But here's the thing. Even if we don't pop right back up on top of the water, the Lord that we are crying out to is the resurrection and the life. And even if the storm takes our life, he who has command over the storm also has command over our lives. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Well, I doubted because the storm was bad. I doubted because I can't walk on water. I doubted because I can't keep myself alive. You never were able to do those things. It's only by grace that we live and have our being. And it's only by faith that we will rise again and live forever. Verse 32 says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Florida has its hurricanes. Texas has its tornadoes. I spent 15 years in Texas dodging tornadoes. We had that down pretty good. We knew exactly what we'd do, where we would go. The minute we heard the tornado sirens. It's kind of an awful feeling, actually, when you hear those silly things. But my girls knew 
best too. And so Liberty, when she came along, the youngest, she would, she knew, you know, we would go through kind of our routine, but then she would hear the siren and she knew that it was serious then. And the lights would go out and the storm would begin to roll in. And she would, she would come running to, to daddy. I'd pick her up, put her on my back. I'll never forget one time this whole scenario plays itself out. I get her, put her on my back. She buries her little face into the side of my neck. She raises her fist and she says, charge. (laughs) Charge. What gives that sense of power and control and that regardless of the circumstances of the situation, you will prevail? You know, I don't know that I've cried, I know I have cried this, save me, Lord, save me. But I think I find myself more often than not saying, Lord, please be with me. Please be with me. Because I believe that, that in his presence there is power. Amen. In his presence, I find strength. In his presence, I find courage I didn't even know I had. In his presence, I am told that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Lord, if you will just be with me through this storm, I can get through it. Lord, if you will just be with me, if I can get myself up on your shoulders, if you will uphold me with your righteous right hand, God, we can charge this darkness and everything's going to be all right if you will just be with me. Because the devastating thing about the storms that we walk through is that oftentimes we feel disoriented and alone. As Pastor Jeff said, sometimes we focus on the storm One of the things that happens when you focus on the storm is you begin to be isolated and begin to think that you're all alone in this thing. It's just me. And one of the most profound things we can remember is that we serve a God who's faithful through any storm. We serve a God who's constantly near. He does not leave us alone. He has not abandoned you. He's never abandoned you in the past. He's not about to abandon you in this darkest of moments, right? He never has and he never will. I think of the disciples in the boat when the storm came up and the sense of vulnerability that they must have felt. Like all of us, man, when something happens in life and our world seems to be falling down around us, you just sort of feel exposed and vulnerable. And here they are. They did not have the luxury of all the television uh, stations and all the alerts that you can get on your smartphone. All they did was take a boat ride with Jesus, right? You would think, hey, we'll be safe. Boat ride with Jesus. He's in the boat. It'll be like a cruise. And a storm comes up, and they get walloped, and the fear begins to emerge, and you feel vulnerable and exposed. And the thing you need more than anything else is just to know that you have a God who is with you. He has not left you alone. He will not forsake you even in your greatest hour of need. You can grab a hold of him and hold him tightly. He cannot be moved. He cannot be moved. And so, so Isaiah 41.10 reminds us of this reality. That yes, you need to cry out, Lord, save me. But at the same time you're crying out, Lord, save me. Lord, would you please be with me because you told me you would be. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Lord, would you please just be with me? And in his presence and in his strength and in his power, you will find that the God of the universe will get you through whatever storm may come your way. Uh, there's another piece to this, too, because in God's mercy and grace towards us, he also gives us strength to be there for those, for others who may be impacted by life's storms, right? It's wonderful to know that the God of the universe is with us, but it's also powerful to know when we people in skin wrap, around, wrap our arms around those around us who are impacted by life's storms, right? So it may be that uh, there are parts of Florida that may be impacted greater, and, they, and there are already parts of the, the world that have been impacted uh, significantly. Uh, Texas has been impacted. But what, what are we to do in light of that reality? Well, we're to be there. We are to uh, uh, be Jesus' feet and his hands and go and be there. We are to be the comforters of those who have been impacted um, by this storm. And so um, there is a call on our lives as God shows his mercy towards us and we come through. We don't know how we will be impacted. But what we do know once the winds calm down is that we can step into the brokenness that often follows a lot of these things. And we can be there. And we can be, um, we can help. Uh, it's already been mentioned before that after Matthew, a lot of our people showed up in neighborhoods and started to clear debris and so forth. That may very well be um, what happens this time as well. So Pastor Jeff's going to talk for a moment about just what our response can be as we get close to what's going to happen. So of course, we don't know what the next 48 hours hold for us. And based on just the simple illustration of what we were expecting to be doing this Sabbath and what reality has been, I think we should all say, we will see you here again next Sabbath, Lord willing, right? Amen. <laughs> and it would be nice if next Sabbath we could gather here and say, well, that wasn't so bad, was it? That would be nice. Maybe we will, but maybe we won't. But regardless... The promise is that God will be with us, and we just need to reach out our hand to Him. So wherever you are and whatever you encounter in these next 48 hours, I hope you will keep those words in your heart, that God has promised to be with us, Amen. and that we will keep courage in our hearts, and we will not be afraid because that which is taken away, the Lord has given in the first place. Hmm and is well able to give again if it's something we need. So let us trust through these next days and keep a spirit of peace and calm in our hearts, trusting that the Lord's eye is upon us even if we're out seemingly in the storm. He can see us. He knows where we are. We are not forgotten. But then when it's over, let this be an opportunity for us to do good in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are sheets in the lobbies where you can sign your name for contact information. Pastor Roger is, is uh, putting this together and coordinating this process because there may be, when this is done, some members of our church who have some damage in their yard or in their home and they are not able themselves to take care of it. Wouldn't it be a blessing if we could go and help people in that situation? Amen. 
And there could be others around those people who also have difficulties. Pastor Bernie mentioned when uh, the hurricane came through last year, a group got together afterward because Pastor Patty was stuck at her place. There was trouble in the streets around there, and they, they got out there to help her, but then realized a lot of her neighbors needed help as well and pitched in and helped them. How, how do you think those neighbors feel about the Forest Lake Church now? They feel good. How do you think they feel about God's people? They feel good. And we want people in a time of difficulty and struggle not to lose their faith in God, but to have it affirmed when God's people are merciful and kind. There were a lot of heroes after the hurricane that came into the Houston area. I don't know that we'll get the chance to be as heroic as some of them were, but whatever opportunity God gives you, I hope you will take it in the days ahead and that you will, in the name of Jesus, go forward and do great things for God's kingdom. So I pray that uh, the Lord will indeed be with you in these next few days, that you will have courage in your heart, and that you will be kindness and love to your neighbors and those around you. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Look upon your people who are headed in our boats out into a storm. Lord, we're putting our trust in you. We're not forgetting you, the one who calms the storm with a word. Lord, we're not asking that we be uh, granted an exemption from what the rest of the world must endure. Many have already suffered terribly from this storm. And so, Lord, we don't just plead for ourselves. We plead for your mercy across the board. Yes, on us, but also on those who have already been through hardships. And we pray, Lord, that you would make us your instruments of peace and love, that we might do great good between today and the next Sabbath, which by faith we believe you will bring us together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.